I want to start out talking about King David. King David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he was a real person. He, he knew what it was like to feel fear and intimidation, but he also knew what it was like to step up and have the Spirit of God come on him in boldness and to be able to defeat a giant much taller than him. But he was a man who made mistakes and a man who excelled with God. He was a man who had great intimacy with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was the one who inspired him to write down most of the Psalms that you have in your Bible are the result of David's interaction with God, you know, being out there by himself with the sheep at night, you know, dark, only a few people with him. When the sheep would go to sleep and, you know, lay down and he'd have that time to just commune with God. And I'm sure that he, because, you know, you read some of his Psalms and you could tell that he was overwhelmed with the spectacular uh, display in the sky, the stars, and, and just, just seeing all this grandeur that God created. But then again, he turned around and made some really stupid mistakes and, and, and committed adultery and, and then was literally responsible for the murder of an individual who was very loyal to him. And you say, how does that come out of the same person? Well, go look in the mirror. Go look in the mirror. We can experience all these things if, we don't, if we're not careful, but he's real. And the most interesting thing is he's the most, he is the most, I would say, the most colorful character in the Old Testament. Yet God said about this same David, he's a man after my own heart. What would cause God to say that this person who was, who's capable of real highs and real lows, yet God would say, that, that, that's a man after my heart, is because David had the habit and created and developed the lifestyle that he knew how to chase after God. He knew how to chase after God when things were good, but even more importantly, he knew how to chase after God when things were bad, when he went wrong. So David made several mistakes in his life, yet he was. He was the only one in the Bible that God said, he's a man after my heart. He was mightily used by the Lord to, to, as, as one of the first kings of Israel, powerful ones. And the thing that set him apart was the passion that he displayed in pursuing his relationship with our Heavenly Father. David desperately desired to know God. He sought him earnestly. This is what he wrote. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Now, I don't think he was talking about a physical land. I think he was talking about when, have you ever been in a season of life where you feel like, man, everything has dried up? It's like, God, where are you? Have you gone on vacation? Are you still here? Do you still hear me? I feel like I'm dying of thirst. I'm, I need your presence. I haven't sensed your presence, God. I think that's what David was talking about. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer. There you go, there you go, there you go. Some of you wonder, why, why do they lift their hands when the music is going? Are they checking their deodorant? Is it a, taking a smell fee? 
No. We are commanded. We are commanded in the word of God. And one of the ways that he expects us to show reverence and honor and worship to him is that there's something about lifting your hands unto God. There is something that happens. I can't explain it, but I know it's real. And those of you that may be, well, you know, I'm just not that type. Well, become that type. (laughs) You're alive. You're breathing. You can change. Now, everything that's achieved in life starts with desire. Say that word, please. Desire. Desire. Now, turn around and say to somebody else, desire. Desire. Definition of desire. Can, Can I get a couple of tissues over there, please? Can somebody bring me a couple of tissues? To long for. Thank you. To hope for. To wish, to want, to crave, to have a longing for. Desire implies strong intention or aim. It implies a general longing, especially for that which seems it's unattainable. To ache, to covet, to crave, to hunger for, to itch for. to pant after, to salivate for. Like, you know, when you're up late at night and all of a sudden the fast food commercial comes on. They show you that, now you, you know, you, you might eat dinner early that night, so now you feel like you got an excuse, you know? Because it's like a 10, 30, 11 o'clock and they got that hamburger and it's just so juicy and everything is just, and you're like, <clears throat> and then God forbid you let those words come out. You know, I really could go for that phrase has gotten so many people up all night with heartburn. I could really go for. What is that? That is a, a, an example. That is an illustration of strong desire. A strong desire. Because for me, it's got to be a strong desire. For me to get in a car, especially in the wintertime, for me to get in a car at 11 o'clock at night to go any place, it better be just the emergency room at the hospital. Because any place other than that, you're not getting me in the car. I remember one time many, many years ago, my wife was pregnant for our first son, Joe. We were living in the neighborhood right back here. And she got one of those cravings about quarter to 12 at night. <laughs> now, we've, we've been in our own businesses most of our lives. And when you're in your own business, when you're in your own business, when you're self-employed, it's really when you say to somebody you're self-employed, what they should hear is you have two full-time jobs. Being self-employed is just like that. So I was self-employed. I usually would have to get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, get ready 6 o'clock in the morning out of the house. So I'm not looking forward to a trip about 12 o'clock at night, the night before. And she had this desire for this Pepperidge Farm. You know, them frozen cakes? Do they still make them? Do they still have them in the freezer? But it had to be a specific German chocolate cake. And so here you are. You're, you know, you're a new father, good to be, and... You want to make sure that you, you know, especially if you come from my kind of background and they've brainwashed you with superstition that God forbid if you don't get a pregnant woman something that she wants to eat, then something can happen to the baby. You know, you remember the darkness that we used to walk in? So here I am, I go out in the middle of the night looking for this Pepperidge Farm cake and couldn't find the German chocolate and only could find it. went from Bricktown to Tom's River and back looking for a place open for this German chocolate cake and could only find the plain chocolate cake one and with the yellow cake inside and the fudge icing on the outside. And I come all the way back home after about 45 minutes of riding around. She goes, I don't want that. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. She doesn't even know after 41 years how close she came. 
Desire. Desire. Say desire. Desire. Desire will cause you to do desperate things. It'll cause you to change your routine. It'll cause you to take unusual risks, unusual risks because of desire. How many people, because of desire, and I'm not talking about good desire here, I'm talking about wrong desire, will put their life on the line and go to very bad parts of a city to go find somebody standing on the corner to buy a little bag. And that strong desire, that crave, that lust will cause a person to do desperate things, put their lives in danger to fulfill that thing. Man, if we could just get that desire, if we could, get, if we could tap into that energy and, and chase after God like that, you know what I'm saying? To just, just, just put yourself out there for the Lord. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to see? What do you want me to build? What do you want me to give? Who do you want me to talk to? Man, what kind of relationship do we have with the Lord? What kind of things do we do? Talk about Moses. Moses, we're talking about desire, will cause you to do the desperate thing, will cause you to take unusual risks. Moses gave up a life of royalty in order to find his destiny. He knew, he knew there was something on the inside that kept, kept pulling on him. That he wasn't like everybody else in that palace. He knew on the inside that there was something different. And that strong desire to find out who he was. A strong desire to fulfill his destiny. He may have even known the story about what happened when he was born. And many of you do. I know you've read the book of Exodus. How when he was born, it says there's a phrase in there that just kind of pops out. If you're not careful, you'll miss it. It says when he was born. Now, Pharaoh had given orders to the midwives. that Every male child that was born, they were to throw into the river and drown. And they wouldn't do it because they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. And it says that God blessed the midwives. And then Pharaoh realized, I'm not getting anywhere. So he issued a general order to the Israeli population. Every time you deliver a baby boy, you, you need to destroy him. You need to throw them in the river. He might have even heard the story about how his mother took a basket and, and kind of coated it with tar or something. So, and basically, she was fulfilling what Pharaoh said. She threw him in the river, but she put him in a basket. And he floated down a little bit. And Pharaoh's daughter's out there taking her bath. And she sees this basket, sees the baby in it, and she took pity on it. But the reason the mother did this desperate thing was because it says there that when he was born, she looked at him, and depending on the translation you're reading, she looked at him and saw that he was a special child. She saw, she knew. And honestly, when you looked at Moses, he probably looked at just any other Israeli baby that was born at that time. Might have been all wrinkly, you know how they are when they're first born. They don't all look cute. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and what are you going to say? Oh, the cutest baby I've ever seen. Dear Jesus, forgive me for lying. <laughs> but, but I don't think it was something natural she saw. I think what happened was that something jumped inside her. And she knew that there was a special call in this child's life. And so knowing all those things, when you know all those things, you know you can't, you know, there's some of us who just can't live a normal life because we're marked. You may be one of them. I'm not, I don't say that, please, I don't say that in a condescending sense. We're all special in the eyes of God. He loves all of us. But even Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. And so she might have realized this is a chosen one. 
And so later on, he's been raised with this story because we know that his mother eventually has contact with him. It wasn't like she never saw her. In fact, it just so happened that Moses' sister was there, and when Pharaoh's daughter discovered Moses, she said to, to Moses, shrewd girl, hey, you want me to go get one of the Jewish midwives? Because, you know, a, a, an Egyptian was never going to breastfeed an Israeli, a Hebrew, a Jew. It just didn't happen. They wouldn't even eat in the same room. They wouldn't even live in the same town. So shrewd, Miriam, says, hey, hey, how about if I go get one of the Jewish women? And let her breastfeed. And of course, it was his own mother. So he would have known the story. He would have realized, if my mother and father went to these lengths, there must have been a desperate desire that they were trying to fulfill. Are you listening to me? And let me tell you something from personal experience. When you have that in you from the time that you're a child, you're never satisfied. You're never satisfied. There's that something on the inside. And if you've experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're not happy, you're not content until you have done the will of God. I pray that in some, in some fashion, that every one of us, no matter how young, no matter how old, that every one of us would have one of those moments at least at some point in our lives. And let me just give you a hint. The more, the more you find yourself dealing with issues, hindrances, attacks, can't get, out of your, can't get out of your own way, you're either dealing with one unresolved issue or another unresolved issue, that's usually an indication that you're one of those. I don't know what it is. I haven't seen it, this in the word described yet. I'm praying that someday the Holy Spirit will reveal it to me. If not, he'll tell me when we get to heaven. There's something that the enemy is able to recognize in our lives. He doesn't know everything. So don't get yourself paranoid. Don't become fearful. He doesn't know anything. But there's something about, there must be something in the realm of the Spirit. Now, we know when we're born again, the Holy Spirit seals us for salvation. Now, that that seal, I believe, takes in two forms. Not only are we sealed with a mark that identifies us as belonging to Christ, but I also picture the Holy Spirit sealing us like a Ziploc bag. You know what I'm talking about? You put something in there. Why do you put something something in a Ziploc bag? Because you don't want to get the smell to come out of it or you don't want to get the air to get into it and contaminate it. And so I believe the Holy Spirit does does something about the sealing. He seals us until the point that we that we have the full redemption and full salvation when we, receive, when we, when we see Christ face to face. So the, the enemy had to see something on Moses' life because we see that the destruction tried to take place from day one. We know the same thing happened when Jesus was born. Okay, the enemy stirred up Herod to go and wipe out all these babies. He knew it's got to be one of them. It's got to be one of them. I remember many, many years ago, a gentleman who I respected, a teacher in the church that we were part of, came to me and knew about our story. When, you t- when I say our story, you know, it's just a lot of crazy stuff happened to, to me, a lot of crazy stuff happened to me and my wife, especially in the area of finances, bankruptcy, wiped out, loss of homes, houses, businesses, everything, everything. And I remember this gentleman coming up to me one day 
And he said to me, Joe, I, I don't know how to explain this to you, and I'm sure I'm not saying this to make matters worse. He said, but this isn't normal, what's gone on in your life. These kind of attacks, this type desperate to wipe you out, to destroy your family, to just get you out of the way. He said, now this is years, year, at least a decade before I had any of you thought to go to Bible school. He said, all I can tell you is that you have all the marks in your life of an individual that God wants to use in a very spectacular way in the future. He said, I, I know that's not going to, you know, the statement's not going to bring you any comfort because you're still going through it. But in other words, don't get discouraged. Follow the desire that's in your heart. Now, let me, let me back up. Follow the desire desperately in your heart that lines up with the word of God. There are so many people in the world, and unfortunately some even in the church, that are doing everything possible to fulfill their own desires, but it doesn't line up with the word of God. Are you listening to me? So if you find yourself drawn after a particular area of life and maybe career or vocation, uh, ministerial calling, make sure that it lines up with the word of God. And then if it does, go after it with all your heart. Don't spare anything to try to get to it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Do you realize what that says? He was looking ahead to his great reward. Somebody would say, well, that's kind of stupid because if he would have stayed in the palace, yes or no, he would have had a great reward. You know, Egypt was the most powerful, the most wealthy empire in the history of mankind up until this point and continued for probably another 500 to 800 years being the most powerful and the most wealthy nation. So you say, well, if, if he, what reward was he looking for then? Because it seems like he turned his back on the reward when he refused to call himself by Pharaoh's daughter. Now, let me tell you, do you think that's a little dangerous position to take after this woman has raised you, after your grandfather and father, grandfather, Pharaohs, have adopted you? Now, now, we don't have this information in the Bible, but history tells us that Moses was a master engineer, master architect, was a commander-in-chief of the armies of Egypt at one time. He led the armies of Egypt to defeat the armies of Ethiopia, which at that time had a larger army than even Egypt had. So this was a person, and this wasn't some schlep that was hanging around on a corner someplace. This was a guy that had, watch this now, had been invested heavily by Pharaoh and his family. And now you grow up and you make an announcement, I don't even want to carry your name, um, you're going to get your head cut off. That's dangerous. But you see, I'm going to repeat that statement again. Desire will cause you to do the desperate thing. Desire will cause you to change your routine and to take unusual risks. Desire. The desire for what? What, what? what is your desire? Now, I know desires are like the tide. They come in and they go out. They're like seasons. They change. Something that might be a real strong desire to you right now, maybe six months from now, would be like, 
eh, really, I'm good. I really don't need to pursue that anymore. And so we have to go with the desires that are in the season that we're in. Or I should say it this way, we, should, we need to run with the season that we're in to accomplish the desire that God's put in our heart. Now, I've, I, my desire, my desire, number one, number one, my desire is to know God more and more. To know him, like Paul said, to know him and the power of his resurrection, to really know him, to get to understand him, to get, to get him to have as much of me as he possi- that I'll possibly let him. Okay, let's be honest with each other. But I've had other seasons where my desires have changed, not that it's changed off of knowing God, but there'll be desires when there'll be times when I feel like this is a season that I need to draw much closer to him. And you know what it is? If you're going to draw close to God, something's going to have to give, right? Because you only got 24 hours in a day, right? You've only got seven days in a week, right? Okay, we've only got one life to live here on this earth. Of course, we have everlasting life as believers now, but as far as me walking around in this body on the earth, there's limited time. And so when you sense that the Spirit of God is drawing you and placing another desire in your heart, there's something else that's going to have to give. Moses had to walk away from the position that he had in the wealthiest family on earth at that time. Something has to give. I've had seasons in my life when I didn't know where I was heading, but I knew that the Spirit of God had placed a desire in me to spend more time, let me put it this way, with God, but times of isolation. When I have followed that, it has never proven to be fruitless. It, It always has been a preparation for the next season or a preparation, or it's been time where he'll let me know something that's going on behind the scenes. But I've also known times when I've overrode that and realized later, I didn't follow the desire. Now, there's a scripture in the Word of God that says that God will give us the desires of our heart. Most of the time, we interpret that as that we develop an independent desire, and then he's going to come along and go, Oh, is that what you like? Okay, I'll do it. Most of the time, we don't realize that that scripture is saying that he's the one who actually places the desire in your heart. Are you catching this? Now, what if that desire doesn't line up with your desire? Now we got a problem. And that's where many, many believers spend their time in that place, that valley of frustration. You know God's pulling you one way, but you want to go the other way. Guess who's going to have to give? We are. Because God's not going to change his stance. You understand that, right? He's immovable. He's steadfast. So, he could have had an easy life. He could have been raised with wealth. He could have had a position of prominence. Prominence. But he chose to walk away from it. He sensed a divine dissatisfaction. You and I cannot afford, you see, listen to me. You and I are the only hope that this earth has of supernatural intervention from God. Do we understand? John Wesley, the person who founded the Methodist movement, said it seems like God could do nothing on the earth unless somebody prays. 
We say things, well, how did God let this happen? No, God didn't let anything happen. (laughs) Somebody wasn't praying. Somebody in the church, I'm talking about the church universal, that the Holy Spirit was pulling on and saying, come, 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 shut the TV off, get off the computer, get off Facebook, come and sit down here. I need you to speak things out. Do we understand? Okay. Uh, When Jesus gave instruction for prayer, he said, say, say. Somebody, God's intention is that no one perishes and everybody goes to heaven. But how many people know that's not happening? Okay, because God, even though he's almighty, he's sovereign, he's all-powerful, he has put himself in a position where he's dependent upon you and dependent on me to pray out things on the earth and in the earth that he wants to see come to pass. So when you have this pull, that it's time to pull yourself apart, get away from the usual routine. You see, desperate desire will make you do desperate things. Desire will make you change your routine. There were days where I personally did not like getting up 5, 5.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, coming downstairs, going into the basement, isolating myself, getting my, waking myself up, getting the juice, getting to it. There were times where I didn't want to do it, but I knew on the inside there's something, there's something, there's something. The only thing I can compare that to is what happened in the spring of 1994. In the spring of 1994, the Spirit of God had prepared my heart already. I was so dissatisfied with life in general. I knew there had to be more to my Christian experience than just going to church. I knew that I was missing it someplace. I knew that the hand of God had been on me, and I knew it wasn't happening. And so I sensed this strong desire. Start spending hours in the morning at home in prayer. Desire will cause you to do the desperate thing. Desire will cause you to change your routine. Watch. Desire will cause you to take risks. And so in order for me to be able to have time in the morning for two or three hours to just be in the presence of God, spend time in prayer, I have a business at the time. So I had to hire a manager. I hired a manager so that he would go open the business, and thank God we had the provision at that time. My wife would go there with him. They would open up the business, get it ready. I would stay home and and spend hours in prayer. And I would say, look, I'm not, oh, look at me, I spent hours in prayer. I'm just telling you my story, okay? Because sometimes it's the grace of God that he empowers you to be able to respond to desire that he put in your heart. So we can't take credit for all this stuff, okay? So... Um, I would spend time in prayer, and then I would get there at the business for lunchtime when it was busy, and then stay there the rest of the day, and then uh, close up the business at night. During that time, I knew I'm praying about something. I just knew it. I knew I'm praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. When, you know, when, how many of you know what I'm talking about when I say praying in the Spirit? I was praying, praying under the power of the Holy Spirit, praying in an unknown language, praying in tongues, Okay, because that's how you pray out the mysteries of God. And I would spend hours doing that, worshiping God, praising God. And on one occasion, I had a vivid, vivid vision that I remember to this day as if it happened this morning. I'm in our bedroom. I'm kneeling next to the bed, my, my, head over, my hands over the bed, my head leaning against the mattress. And I see a picture, as alive as anything, of the eastern seaboard 
map of the United States. You know the little maps you buy your kids where it's like a puzzle, you have to put the states in place. And all the things are all different colors. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Don't let me hang up here like I'm 110 years old. <laughs> and it was that kind of a map where each state looked like a puzzle piece. And I saw the entire eastern seaboard, and I look, and I see the ocean next to it, and I see this gigantic tsunami wave just come out of the ocean and crash right on the east coast, right here in New Jersey, and wash across the country. I knew it wasn't a, a tsunami wave. We didn't even know that word back then. I knew it wasn't a tidal wave that was bringing destruction. I knew it was a wave of the Holy Spirit, of revival, of power, of the glory of God, and I knew I'm going to be a part of this. Within weeks, I go to bed one night, I wake up the next morning, and I turn to my wife, and I said to her, we're going to start a church. And the name of the church is going to be New Beginnings. I said, we're going to Bible school. And when we come back from the Bible school, in the fall of that year, we'll start this church. And I said to her, and this one will be involved, and that person will be involved, and another one will be involved. And they were. Every one of those people were at our first service. But watch this now. And please, don't go out here tonight so Pastor Joe's breaking up himself. No, no, no. I'm giving you an illustration based on my experience. I don't know your experience. I know mine. Okay? But I think every once in a while, because you see, it was such a life-changing season. I can't even imagine where my, my wife, myself, our family, I can't even imagine where we would be if I had ignored that pull, that desire, that craving to know God more. And I would say stuff, to, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. I knew there had to be more. I wasn't satisfied with just what was happening in my everyday life at that point in time. I wasn't satisfied with what I was seeing in my Christian experience. I was seeing people falling away and getting discouraged and getting hurt and getting wounded. I wasn't satisfied. You can have all the desire there is in your heart, but if you're not willing to do the desperate thing, if you're not willing to change your routine, some of you, some of you came here tonight on Wednesday night, you usually don't come. You're not usually here on Wednesday night. You changed your routine. Why? You sensed something on the inside. You sensed that you needed to be here tonight. You sensed maybe that you needed to say yes to the person that's been nagging you for six months to get you here on a Wednesday night. But you changed your routine. You took a risk. And I pray that God uses this tonight to set you on the path of fulfillment for the desire that he placed in your life. We have to cooperate with him. It's not all him. It's not all us. It is a cooperation together. Amen? Amen. 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 